This is the Motherlands Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to provide evidence-based information related to fertility, pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum, as well as share positive birth stories. I am your host, Keely Semler. One of the most fascinating truths about childbirth is that every birthing person has their own unique experience. It is an evolution of the self like no other. I had the privilege to sit down with Rima Theory, the doula, yoga teacher, and co-founder of Sovereign LA, a healing arts organization that uplifts and supports Black and Indigenous women and gender non-binary people. We spoke about the freedom of a baby's soul, the destiny that each child came here to fulfill, and how sometimes the way in which a baby is born may be different than what the birthing person had in mind. You know, we're both doulas, and I just so admire how you teach and care for your clients. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you define our work as doulas? Oh, that's such a good question. I think one of the reasons I love being a doula is that it forces me to be present. Mm. Like I cannot, I cannot be in any other mindset. I cannot be in the past. I cannot be in the future. I, in order to serve my client, I need to be fully present with them and holding space for them. And I know that if I am present with them and I am listening and holding space, that the outcome of that birth is just going to be far better and not better in terms of it being the birth on the birth plan, but better in that it will be a very empowered birth for my client. Yeah, presence is so, so important, I think, for every client and and how that looks is entirely unique to each client, right? Like how you might show up for someone is, is just so personal. Totally. Oh, God. And I think that's what I I really love that part of the work because it's like a story that unfolds. It's never the same. So like, I love that about the work. I get to really go in and, and discover what's going to work for that particular client. Like what does that particular client need to feel, number one, safe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So much of, you know, the first couple meetings are just that. I have like a you know, a certain checklist that I like to go through for the first meeting. But really, I know that the, I like him just sitting there feeling out my client. Like, who, mm. who is this person? And who is the, my, the partner too? Mm. So, so big. Like, I yeah. love to meet with a partner and my client and just, you know, like, hey, like, what, what are you all about? I love that. So I think that there's a lot of people out there that think that birth doulas are, really reserved for a certain population. And that population is people who want to have an unmedicated or natural birth. What do you think of that? Uh, Yeah, I know. It's so, yeah, totally. (laughs) And because I'm a yoga teacher, a lot of times when a client is interviewing me and they find out I'm a yoga teacher, you know, and if, if it's a client that wants to be in a hospital and wants an epidural, they'll like feel hesitant when they find out that I'm a yoga teacher. They'll be like, oh, but like, 
you know, almost feeling bad about like this choice to mm. want an epidural and want to be in a hospital. And I'm like, that is not true at all. Like it is my job to like support a woman in however, because I really believe, and maybe some of this is like from my yoga practice, from my training and my teachers, but I really believe that a baby knows exactly how they need to come into this world. Mm. That baby's soul knows exactly how they need to come into this world. And then a mother knows. Like the mother and the baby are so connected. In my lineage of yoga, they say that that's a one time where two souls share one auric field, one magnetic field. Mm. So a mom knows way better than I do, way better than her doctor does. I love that. Yeah. So what do you think about the whole social media movement around like natural birth and doing it a certain way? Yeah. I mean, there's some beauty behind it. We were just talking. Like I love like my my, my social media feed is filled with like births that I just love to watch and oftentimes show to my four boys. I'm like, hey, come over here. Come look at this. What do you think of it? <laughs> They like it. They do. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's my duty as a woman, um, as a mother of boys, is like I don't hide anything about being a woman. Like nothing. My moon cycles, we talk about that. I, there's no shame behind it. Birth. I love that there are so many beautiful and inspirational birth videos. It's kind of like before Instagram, I was reading Spiritual Midwifery. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of like the same thing. Like those are stories after story after story of really beautiful, connected, natural births. And so I like it. I like the inspiration behind it. And I think there's a lot of beauty behind it. But Instagram, that's a problem with Instagram is there's more to that story, by the way. Right. To like, you know, the beautiful music and the, the birth photographer the and the baby's like gently coming out like i know as a doula i'm like yeah there's there's poo in that tub <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah like it's not like all sanitary and um like this magical experience i mean it can be it can be and it is in some ways right but there also is the reality of birth and i think the pressure to have this natural birth um, or to like, yeah, have this Instagram birth when your baby is telling you something mm. or your body is telling you something or like sometimes because of a person's history, not even not having to do with birth, but just their life, they are going to feel more comfortable in a hospital. Yeah. If you feel more comfortable in a hospital, like if you're slightly worried about not being in a hospital, you're, you're just going to dilate better in a in a hospital, right? Your body's going to do because that's where you do. feel safe. That's where you feel safe, and that's what it's all about. So it's like, yeah, and it, we make the hospital like that's what I love to do. It's like we're going to make the hospital beautiful for you and comfortable. Have you helped clients navigate the choice and where they should give birth? Because on paper, a natural home birth might be what someone wants. But in doing prenatal sessions, maybe it becomes clear that perhaps doing it out of the hospital is not actually what the client needs. How do you navigate that 
for sure. That's a good question. First of all, I, I think, and I think this has changed. I've evolved as a doula. Right. And I think as a person, I've just, you know, post COVID, post everything, I've become more in touch with my own shadow, like my own stuff, like the my own reality. And so like, I always approach it from a really realistic standpoint. So if a client doesn't have a ton of financial resources, but feels like they need to like spend all of this cash on a home birth because that is like the most important thing. Maybe it is, okay? So I'm not gonna say it's not. Maybe that is the right choice, but we'll always go through the other options. Like having an insurance, like having your insurance cover it is actually not a bad idea for the baby in some cases because that leaves you resources for after your birth. Maybe you want to put those resources into having postpartum care. Yeah. And I've had the privilege of attending all kinds of births. So I've seen like, gosh, like the most beautiful, just connected births in a hospital. Same. Or right? the, they felt like home births. They feel like home births. Like with a doctor who's delivering mm-hmm. them is acting like a midwife. Mm-hmm. Like I've witnessed this where I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I would have never thought that this is how, like the last uh, couple births ago, I had this great experience where this, yeah, the doctor came in and it was just like, oh, like I could hear it. Like, <laughs> it was incredible. Like I could hear the, and the baby was born and it was so, such a peaceful and gentle and this is at just a standard hospital you know if I remember correctly it wasn't even your client's doctor it was someone who stepped in last minute which is wild it was it was also meant to be yeah it's because my client's doctor just my client just ended up going way faster and her doctor didn't think that she was as progressed as she was so the doctor didn't end up showing up so it was like she swooped in and saved the day and the way then oh god then our placenta was delivered. And I have this on video and I, I sent it to my client. We were both just talking about how amazing it was. Cause she sh- and I actually showed that video with her permission to my sons too, so that they could oh. see the placenta. But she shows the placenta and she describes it. And then she's like, look at this. It's like the tree of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, it couldn't have gone better. Like it was such, so beautiful. And then on the other hand, I've attended really tense home births yeah, and doc- and midwives not necessarily like holding the space. Or how about knowing when to call it, when yeah. to call the transfer? Or maybe calling the transfer too early too. That's the other part. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. I get it. I really actually understand and appreciate yes. that too. Because they, that's why we have a midwife. Because they come in with so much experience. And they've seen things that, thank God, I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You know, but I just, I always know the weight of being a midwife and the weight of attending a home birth. Like that's, a, it's a big thing. Responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. But yeah. So it in the end, choosing a great birth team is so important. Well, that's kind of like what I was thinking about when I asked you that question, because I get people that call me all the time and I'll say like, tell me about yourself. And they'll say, oh, well, this is my provider. And maybe their provider is a doctor. Maybe their provider is a midwife. And they'll share with me what they hope 
they'll accomplish in their birth. Maybe it's unmedicated or maybe it's whatever. If it's unmedicated and they share with me who their provider is and I know that person and I know that they probably won't be able to accomplish that, Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, like, how do you feel in this person's care? Do you feel like they listen to you? Do you feel like you're having an exchange with them? They're communicating to you like you are an intelligent human being that you are. Or do you feel like they're speaking at you? Right. Isn't that so big? And it's not just doctors that do that. There are other providers, midwives too, where they have a certain perspective or a certain way that they practice that sometimes isn't the most inviting or comfortable spaces for people. Yeah. Anyways... It's an interesting thing as a doula because a lot of people would prefer to do it as naturally as possible, but that requires work. Oh my gosh, for sure. And it requires, yes, it requires a lot of work. And a lot of education. Just saying you want something is not enough. You have to really, really, really intentionally learn everything you can, the good, the bad, the ugly, and know when you need to pivot because that's what you your body needs, or your baby needs. So I wonder, how do you help clients relinquish control? I know, it's so interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking like, well, even if you do do all the work. There's no guarantee. There is no guarantee, and there's no secret formula. Like I've had some clients really um, go into it, and I really respect this, and I learn a lot from these clients too because they'll go through and do tons and tons of research on like, well, this is the best way and that is the best way and feel like they have this, like the science down, like they like crack the code, like mm-hmm. I have it all, you know, it's all under my control, you know, yeah. and it's like, mm, and that's with those clients especially, that is like. Um, it's almost a red flag. Like if I see that someone is so stuck in something in a certain outcome, to me, that's not being open and flexible with your baby. Babies have their own like souls, their own destinies. They, mm-hmm. The baby's soul knows how they are meant to come through in this world. And some baby, and they, I think they, they know, they come in with this knowledge. Yeah. And not all babies are meant, you know, for their soul to be born. The way the mom wants. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really deeply believe that. I mean, I've had four totally different births. Yeah. Would you be willing to share? Totally. (laughs) Totally. And talking about a birth team, I actually think, and maybe that's why it's so important to me to communicate that to my clients, because that's a real experience for me is... Yeah, so I want you to share whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your births, but did you become a doula before you gave birth, or was it through your birth experiences that led you to becoming a doula? Totally. It was after my fourth birth that was so empowered and was my only birth supported by a doula. Wow. I know, my dear doula. She's wow. Lisa Arshowski. She's amazing. She was a midwife for a little while. And then I caught her at a point where she was doing doula work, which I was so appreciated. And she held my hand. I mean, it just made, I like felt like we did it together. Oh my goodness. And it was just, and it, the moment I had my baby, my fourth, I knew. And, and it, it was almost like, 
I owe this to the world. That's how I felt. Like I was just given this experience through the grace of finding my doula. And like, I owe this to give this to, to other people to share this. Oh my goodness. That is so beautiful. How do you hold space for clients, allowing them to have their own experience or to experience their own lessons, given that you went through birth? four times yourself totally I that was a lesson that was like uh, that was an evolution I think as an early doula as a young doula when I first started it was such a strong way of relating to my clients the fact that I had my own births but I quickly learned that my own births didn't really I don't want to say they didn't matter but because I do have a shared experience of birth but they don't really matter because every birthing person they will have their own unique experience that it will definitely be very different than mine. It's funny you say that because when I first became a doula, I didn't have children and I still don't have children of my own, but I would interview and I would feel so insecure when someone would ask me like, oh, do you have children? Almost like it was a detriment Yeah. if I didn't. And I'm sure probably I didn't get hired because of that and it took me some time and experience and to build confidence that no actually it's fine and what about all the male OBs like they never experienced birth that doesn't mean that they aren't that they can't be compassionate and empathetic and have a loving supportive presence so anyone that's listening that wants to be a doula but doesn't have children of their own yet like a lot of the girls that I'm mentoring are are younger and they're like I feel like I won't get clients because I haven't had a child of my own yet I'm like no it's okay yeah so I'm on the other side no I totally am with you and by the way there's so many advantages to like I'm like oh you want me because I have four kids I also have four kids (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I try to I don't take um I don't take a lot of clients because my life is so crazy um so I don't overload myself with clients because I know what I can handle and I want to give my client the attention that she needs I think when I first started doing I would like talk about my birth or compare my birth I like do not even like to talk about it now I don't even like to think about it or talk about my own experiences a lot of times a client will ask me about it and it's almost like I'll share but you're gonna have your own experience you're gonna have your own experience the one thing I will say like an empowered birth like that's a difference between my first three births and my fourth my fourth Mm. was extremely empowered Mm. like Totally. And that's my goal. Like no matter the type of birth you end up having, whether it's surgical, whether it's assist, you know, whether you have a vacuum, you know, like, did you feel empowered the Mm. whole time? And I feel like that's my job. Did you feel safe? Did you feel safe? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, would you share a little bit about your births? Sure. The first three versus the fourth. Sure. Well, I will say, I always say like, and I'll probably say this more with my yoga clients than... My doula clients, all four days that each of those babies were born was equally incredible. Yeah. Despite the fact, and, and I don't even say that just to be fair. It's like the honest truth. Yeah. Equally incredible. For yeah. me to look into my baby's eyes, incredible. Yeah. So my first was a breech baby. And he, I always joking, kind of still is a breech baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's 15 now. 
He goes by the beat of his own drum. He's just going to do what he wants to do. So it doesn't surprise me. I love that. I love that, like, literally now looking back, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Even when he, like, (laughs) thinks about going out the vaginal canal, he's like, ooh, I didn't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he'll, he'll, like, state it. Like, he'll be like, no, I'll just take me. Like, he's so, like, just just take me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Did you feel supported by your provider? Did you have a doctor? I had a doctor. Oh, my, because I was in Michigan. This was a long time ago now. So 16 years ago now in the Midwest. I actually had a really good girlfriend. She birthed in a birthing center. Mm. And so there was like birthing centers available. No, I hadn't heard of a single person doing a home birth. Not mm-hmm. in not in southeastern Michigan. Maybe, maybe if I looked hard enough, I could have found it, but it wasn't prevalent. Like, right. And so I just went to like a typical doctor. My brother and my um, husband are both physicians, and so I kind of fo- like found like oh, my brother was like oh, this guy is real. Oh, he's like a friend. He's so cool. Like, <laughs> I'm like okay. <laughs> Right. And he was a really nice guy. But like, there's no, I was like, oh, baby's breach. Your only option is yeah, the one way. Well, he offered me a version. And at the time, my my husband being in the medical community, like having seen them was like, didn't, was really adamantly opposed to the idea. Oh, really? Like he just didn't like the idea. He just felt like it was too intrusive. And he's like raised by hippies. So he's really like, you know, like mm-hmm. he's got this hippie quality. He's like, if this is how the baby wants to be, we should just leave the baby like this, you know? And it, so, and I respected that. And I had never seen one. I was just like, okay, fine. I went to acupuncture, a lot of acupuncture, did the moxie sticks on my pinkies, did every, I did find spinning babies at the time I think it was spinning babies like it, yeah. it must have been spinning babies still like um, the and, forward inversions yeah and, and did yeah. ton like tons and of like legs up the wall whatever but that baby was not budging <laughs> oh I even played like, like music like I thought if I played music I don't must have read it somewhere if I played music at the bottom like his head would turn around to like <laughs> but um it didn't work (laughs) he wasn't budging it turns out like I also have a uterine abnormality that he just got stuck yeah I've got like a bicorneate uterus so he was just stuck in one of my horns and he wasn't gonna move after grieving you know at the time I did my my best friend gave me a copy of uh, Bountiful Beautiful Blissful by Grimok and Mm. so I had started reading that and was like really inspired to have a a natural birth Um, but it was like okay not in the cards so we chose the date had a c-section and oh my gosh at the time it was still hospital procedure to take the baby away oh oh and I worked at the hospital and I talked to my doctor about it and I thought we were on the same page. So you weren't and expecting he was it. like, you know, and he was like, well, if everything goes fine, maybe I'll let you have the baby in re- the recovery room. And then baby was wheeled away and I lost it. Just like the rage mm. of a mother just lost it. Like, bring me my baby back. Oh. Just bring me like everything was fine. 
But that separation, I still grieve. Like that was so hard. And he came and he came, he was like, he was brought back quickly, quicker than probably other babies were brought. Were they doing the initial APGAR scoring like in a neighboring room or they give it back to you when you're out of the OR? It was like at that time in the Midwest, it was like you couldn't be in the OR and have your baby because it, it wasn't like sanitary procedure was so crazy. I mean, it made I wonder if that's still happening in our country. I hope not. I mean, it was like, it was traumatic. Well, anyone that's listening that needs to have a surgical birth should ask their provider, can my baby stay with me at all times in the OR? Yes. Unless there's a special circumstance, like if baby comes out and needs additional attention, that's different, but that's not what If baby needs, no, he was, his APGARs were perfect. Yeah. He was fine. I was fine. It was just hospital procedure that I was dealing with. Oh. The medical community is kind of like, oh, what's the big deal? Just take a break. You're going to have them for the rest of your life. Just take a break, you know? And for me, I just knew like instinctively. I'm so in touch with my instincts. I think all, all, a lot of us birthing women are in, so in touch with our instincts. But I just knew I needed that baby in my arms. And I remember like holding him once I got him and just bawling. I'm like, they took him. And my mom's like, you have him in your arms now. It's okay. <laughs> but even just that emotional, like. Yeah, that response. That response. You can't so, help like, it. Talk about feeling disempowered, right? <sighs> like, this is just how it is. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, you're he's gonna... fine. He's healthy. You're I fine. Mean, and at the time, I was still, and I don't think this advice is given that much anymore, but I was still given the advice, oh, let your, honey, let your baby sleep in the nursery. <laughs> let your baby, just get your rest. You have to promise me that you're going to get your rest and your baby's going to sleep in the nursery. Yeah. But like I knew. If you were my daughter, I would say you should rest and I'll hold your baby. (laughs) I know. It's like, but your instincts just, I mean, mine just kicked in. I was like, give me that baby. I can't believe I'm even sharing him Mm. with the world because Mm. baby and I were one just a few minutes ago. And now you're like, he's gone. He's like in a different room. But like, yeah. if you look, at, I mean, I've done a lot of reading about it, and if you, just, I mean, it's really traumatic on babies too. Like, yeah, if at all possible for baby to be with mom, or sometimes I've witnessed where mom cannot hold baby. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. that's okay. That's where dad comes in. That's where dad comes in, or partner, <laughs> partner or doula, or doula comes in. Somebody's coming in. Somebody's holding baby. Baby is is being held, hopefully hearing mom, if possible. So then my second baby was two years later, and he was head down. He's And he, he is that kind of kid, too. He was head down. He was in perfect positioning. And my doctor and my husband were both in agreement that a repeat C would be far safer for me. Was that in Michigan or were you in Michigan? Okay. So they were both like, oh, yeah. But that was pretty routine as well at the time. Like, I think so. But, uh, and now, now I feel like that is more challenged. Like, two years. Most definitely. Is like plenty of time for someone to have a trial of of labor. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially here in LA. And it's hard because I don't practice in Michigan. So I'm not sure how it's changed in Michigan. I'm sure it probably would. 
like again instagram like with instagram i don't know though i have some clients that like some woman called me a few weeks ago and she had a cesarean birth in another country like 18 months ago and her doctor here said oh yeah you're gonna have a repeat c and she was like do i have to yeah like is that not enough time i'm like "Mm, it really depends who you ask right but there's enough research out there that says that that's plenty of time for the scar tissue to heal. Totally. Totally. And it depends who you ask. And if you don't get the answer you want from, I would like. You would get is, multiple opinions. Yeah. And that's always what. And it's so surprising that client, my clients don't feel like they're allowed to interview doctors but i'm like oh, yeah. of course you have to interview like go with a list of questions and then go to another doctor with a list of questions and wait until you feel like someone is like you'll feel it in your heart yeah like this is this, this is, is the, the provider right, this for is me. the right doctor this is the right place like even at, um places like go to the place yeah feel like our bodies have so much wisdom like, but don't let the wallpaper and the pretty no no, paint, no I'm more talking like, or the fancy machines fool you because no, that doesn't always mean that it it's a better matter. place. No, oh no, no, that that very much that very much doesn't matter. You will not care what that room looks like. I will tell you. I promise you. Who cares? Yeah, like you're not going to be thinking about do I have a a, a city view window in my hospital room like you're not going to care you will not care you will probably not open your eyes for a long time and when you do you will just be looking at your baby (laughs) (laughs) so your second one so he had down everything was great and yeah and then you know it's so funny I think back on it like both my husband and my doctor who is a male was like well your vulva, your vagina is all intact. Like both of them wow. cited that as a reason why. Like why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that to your <gasps> vagina, to your vulva? Wow. Was this the same doctor? Same doctor. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Like why would you want to do that? Like don't you want to preserve that? You're fine. Yeah. Ew. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Don't you just want to serve your husband? I like, know. this is what he likes. I know. And the maiden in me, I was still I very know. much a maiden. I was still a young, like, and well, I wanted and there's to. some women too. Yeah. Some women are like, oh, I don't want that trauma. I yeah. would rather just do the cesarean because I don't want that trauma well, on my. considered trauma. Like, it's not trauma. But yes, I know. So that, I was scared. I was scared. And then everyone's telling me it's safer for the baby. It's safer for me. I'm like, why would I not yeah. do this? I mean, I felt so much pelvic pressure. Like, he would have been a, like, easy vaginal birth. I can tell you. I felt like he was down there. And the night before I was supposed to go into my my C-section, I remember just like frantically packing and, you know, feeling so sad that, you know, this was the last time alone with my first and going through all the feels. And then my mother-in-law calls. She's like, Rima, you know you don't have to go in for the C-section. And I was like, well, what are you talking It's like in a few hours now. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't have to go in. She's like, you have the choice to not go in. You can. The time, I thought she was crazy. I was almost irritated. What by do you it. mean you would disregard what the provider the is saying? The hospital is expecting me. And yeah. like, they already have an OR for me. Like, how could I just not show up? She mm-hmm. was absolute. That was a Wow. Freaking wisdom. And how many times since that moment have you told clients, you don't have to show up? I say the exact same thing. Try not to do it the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like that. The timing was a little like (laughs) 
<laughs> little off, but I like tell my clients that all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, if you change your mind the day of while you're in labor, no issues. Yeah. We'll figure this out. You follow your gut. So you didn't show up? No, I showed up. Oh, you showed up. I did. I had a Because you're a good girl. I was a very good girl at that time. And <laughs> now you're a bad I'm girl. Like no, very, I am extremely unruly, hard to control, all of those things I love now. you for it. <laughs> Not always pleasant. I was much more pleasant back then. Um, I was all, definitely a people pleaser. So I showed up and I pleased everyone. Mm. And I had my C-section. Something happened during the C-section and I lost so much blood. Oh, wow. Like tons and tons of blood. It was a really difficult C-section. I was uh, didn't need to be transfused, but I was on the border of needing to be transfused. It was a really unpleasant experience. Oh, boy. Yep. Still the most amazing to see my baby, even through that, you know? Now, this time, did they take him away? They did not, because I knew better, and mm. they and things had progressed even in the two years. So, wow, he was able to stay with me. I think he was with Drew because I, I mean, I don't even remember that much because I had lost so much blood. But like, so you were out of it. I was a little more out of it, but he was still stayed in the room with me, and he was so sweet, he was so cute. He like didn't even cry. Like he was Aww. just like this sweet, silent beautiful like i was like is it okay that he's not crying and i'm like i mean he cried at first but then he was so sweet and just kind of look and then i was like wow well that wasn't safer for me whoa and he was born with a cone head he was a c-section baby born with a cone head wow because he was so far down yeah and i didn't even have a wow. trial of labor i hadn't even let my body gone into labor do you remember how many weeks you were I was 39 weeks with both of them, but my dates are were totally off. So I can guarantee you with my first one, I was more like 37 weeks. Oh, Because he came out small. He yep. was not ready. I was probably legitimately 39 weeks with this one because he was big. He was ready. He was wow. like, you know, that's the other thing is I'm like, I don't know that they always know when. They don't. Well, especially if it's by ultrasound. Yeah. That's not an exact science. And they, you know, they get the date wrong all the time. Yeah. My first was shocked when he came out. He was ready. He probably would have stayed in there four more weeks. Wow. Like, really. Like, he was... He was little. He was tiny. He was five pounds. <gasps> oh. He was shocked. He was like, I just have this image of him being like, what? Like, I'm why did you running? let me out of there? <laughs> I know. So I processed that, moved to LA, just for my husband's work. Like, looked at my Gurmuk book, and I was like, Grimuk, she lives in Los Angeles. I'm going to find her. I'm going to find this. Because still so much of her mothering advice had stuck to me. And so much of the way she looked at not just not just pregnancy and labor, but, how, you know, just mothering in general. I was like, oh, I want to find this place and this woman. So I found her. And Aww. I started practicing at Golden Bridge. And then I became pregnant with my third and I went to a prenatal class at Golden Bridge, and I, you know, it all starts in a circle. I, you know, introduce myself. My name's Rima. I'm pregnant with my third. I have to have a C-section because I've had two other C-sections. My teacher looked at me and she said, oh, well, actually you don't. I will say, by the way, interviewing doctors here, 
absolutely there wasn't a doctor that felt comfortable with me having because i had asked that is there a way i can have a vaginal birth no absolutely not no you've had two already like there's no way and so my teacher was like well actually there i will talk to me after class Mm. and she was a doula instead of simran she's a she's a amazing woman but she was like here and she gave me the name of dr crane she's like talk to the doctor dr crane we went into his office his office is amazing amazing and he was like you know i think he did find out that i had this is another thing i had a single set of sutures on my c-section on the opening Mm. do you know why they usually do double layer right they should have he should have done it you know what he very short after that he lost his license this doctor in Michigan Aww. for for different reasons, but I just I'm he was sorry. just such a young I and mean, he was very popular. He was one of the most popular um, OBs. OBs. Like you couldn't even like it was hard to get an appointment with it. Like he was really popular because he had great bedside manner and he was a really nice guy. So I don't know why he put it. And maybe he was freaking out. Maybe it was because I was bleeding. I have no clue why he put a single layer. But so that was an obstacle. But Dr. Crane was like, you know what? It's been, I waited a little longer. My first two were two years apart. My second two are like two and a half, almost three years apart. So I waited a little while. And he was like, you know, let's try it. The one thing I'm going to ask is that we do it in a hospital. Hmm. I really want this done at a hospital just in case you rupture then it's just safer for you, safer for baby. It was amazing. So that then was a much more empowered pregnancy. Like, So you were able to have your third vaginally? I was not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you felt more supported. I felt And you so felt like you were, given, you were given a chance. And I had a trial of late. Well, okay, so I ended up, he... <laughs> He was like, Rima, which is so unlike Dr. Crane. If you know how Dr. Crane practices, he hardly ever, like he is like, his life is delivering babies. Mm -hmm. But he's like, my, a colleague of his had just passed away from a heart attack. And his Mm -hmm. wife, who was also an OB who worked a lot. And his wife was so worried about him and was like, you need, like, I am making you come to Cabo. Like, you have to take a two-day vacation to Cabo. So he's like, I have to leave. And it's on your due date. But you're not going to go into labor on your due date, okay? Like, don't worry. You're not going to go into labor on your due date. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> and he, he actually did a home visit, like, on his way out to the airport. Oh, that's my how Dr. Gosh. Crane also practices. Like, he's just like, I think you're good. We're good. Like, everything's good. Like, I, I think this baby's not going to come till I get back. Well... That didn't happen. (laughs) I went into labor. I did not have a doula. I had been doing a lot of prenatal yoga, which was really beautiful and a beautiful tool, but didn't have a doula. And he was gone. I had his backup who I got the idea. He doesn't use this backup anymore, but I got the idea that he did not feel the same he was not as supportive as dr crane was about doing this gotcha he didn't want to take the risk that dr crane was willing to take i what did feel really like insecure and keely you can tell us what happens when a woman feels insecure in labor oh my god everything (laughs) goes sideways dilate like i just didn't dilate 
I labored for days, like just, you know, pre-labor. My water broke first, mm. which put me on a clock. Was it like a gush or a trickle? No, gush. Mm. In front of my two young toddlers who just oh. loved it. I mean, I just like made their day. <laughs> like they still they still talk about the moment. Oh. Like it was the so exciting because it looked like I just peed my pants. Oh and my God. They just loved it. That is hilarious. hilarious. That is so fun. Yeah. So did the backup knew your water broke and was like, okay, you got to come in? Well, kind of, but we were like, I don't, I was like, I don't want to come in. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to see if I can get my labor going. How can I, I had some friends who were doulas. I called them, you know, had some ideas. I didn't, now looking at it, I didn't do the things that now I would advise. What I would have done is gotten an epidural. Got, like before a C-section, I would have asked for an epidural. Yeah. That's what I would have asked. That's what I was missing that I didn't ask for. Like I was holding on. I was in so much pain, so tired after two full days of labor. And I was exhausted. And I needed an epidural, a nap. And I think I probably would have dilated. And in the end, I didn't advocate for myself. But you were also probably in this place where you were exhausted. You couldn't think straight. And you were like so desperately trying to do it the way that you had prepared and felt like you could do it. But you were, you know, limited. Totally. Thank you for that. Thank you. Because yes, you're right. I was and I was exhausted and I recognize. And how can you think clearly when you're in that kind of stress and that time crunch of like, oh, I got to have my baby and I'm not dilating. And I'm I'm on a time clock and I'm going to have a C-section. And I'm I'm sure, and this is the other thing, people are like, well, can I do anything right? Like nothing's going right. What's wrong with me? Definitely had that. Like what's, why can't my body, my body just can't dilate. I just don't dilate. Like what is happening? Why can't I do what's wrong with my body? Now we know that it's a safety mechanism. Most definitely. That you felt completely out of control and the one person that you really, really, really wanted to be there couldn't be there. Totally. And how, what a testament to who you have in your corner through this experience. It, It just could be a wildly different experience but i will say had i had a doula that would have given me like the safety and consistency yeah or even just someone to kind of role play different scenarios or situations or ask questions or try to figure out how to buy a little bit more time maybe totally and my partner who i thought was you know he was always really opposed to the idea of a doula because he thought that a doula would take over what he does was supposed to do well and there are doulas that do that totally and i'm really sensitive to that i am so sensitive to that i want nothing to do with that yeah and it's probably great that he thought that because it did make me a much better doula because i understand that perspective yeah and i always say like oh my gosh it's like if like if you want to be giving her hip compressions or like touching her the whole time better you than me because your touch is gonna produce oxytocin like your touch is like the touch so great you know yeah but the partner's presence alone cannot be touched by anybody not even the doula nobody no it's amazing so i ended up um just calling my c-section fine it was saturday it was noon so you called it He called it. The doctor had called it. I was fighting him the whole time. And I was just kind of, I lost the, he's like, well, I'm, you are definitely beyond my comfort level. I'm so so sorry. But you know what? 
I had my baby and what it taught me what that and he was amazing he came out like not like like yeah tell me about this so i'm like my second one my second one came out like so quiet and peaceful and smiling my third one was like came out like "Ah, oh he's a fighter he is a oh my gosh that kid he's got fire huh he's yeah ask his principal (laughs) (laughs) he came out like the nurses were like yeah like they would take him like they had to take him for that one routine vitamin k yeah and they like you could hear him like all the way like screaming (gasps) all the way and then you could hear the scream come back oh like he was just like he was a fighter but it did teach me he came out pink he came out healthy he chose his own birthday i had a trial of labor and that was far different than my other two c-sections well bag of waters broke he was ready yeah he you could see it in his eyes Mm -hmm. he was like i was ready to come out Mm -hmm. um he would say something when he was really small he was like oh i was just meditating in there mom (gasps) Oh. I was me- I was going to come out. I was meditating. So that taught me. And then Dr. Crane came back and he was, <laughs> he was like, I'm so sorry. He felt so bad. Oh. What he did say, he's like, well, listen, Raymond, <laughs> I feel so bad, but I'll tell you something. If you want to have a fourth kid, well, we can try to be back, okay? Oh. <laughs> and then from that day, you're like, we're going to do it. No, I'm totally. kidding. I was like, oh, okay. So, did you know were you like already like oh maybe i'll do do it again we'll try again yeah i think in my head i was like you know for me i was cut off after number four by my partner <laughs> who has to pay for who has to send these kids to college but i think i would have been like yeah this is my 10th child <laughs> like, <laughs> i would have just kept going because i love it so much oh but yeah so i did and, and then i did my training to be a yoga teacher to be a prenatal yoga teacher after the third after the third because it was such an impactful like even this idea of like oh like what happened like i took each of those situations and i was like hmm oh well th- i did feel disempowered right there like how can i feel more empowered and that was so much about like this Kulsa way yoga that, that i still teach then i got pregnant with my fourth knocked on dr crane's door i was like surprise i'm back <laughs> we're doing this and he how many years later was that three and he was like all right <laughs> i guess we made a promise <laughs> one thing i will say about that third c-section that i had with that backup doctor he was an incredible surgeon mm. and so what he did is he took out scar tissue any scar tissue i had on my uterus and then he gave me a double layer of sutures and they were like, it was perfect. It was So it beautiful. healed, did it heal really healed well? Healed perfectly. And he said, whoever did your second C-section didn't know what they were doing. Like oh. pretty much was like, it was a mess. And I like, so that was the blessing. He oh, really, amazing. yep. And then, and that's when I kind of like, I was a prenatal yoga teacher. That fear that I had, like that was such a teacher for me. Cause I was like, oh, like we don't dilate when we're scared so how can I get rid of fear and so much of my pregnancy was like okay like I'm gonna work on my fear how can I you know work on Mm. well my doula was a big part of it creating a beautiful environment in my hospital room was a part of it at just the way my brain works I had to write a list of all the things I was worried about Mm. and I gave it to my partner and I was like I'm no longer worrying about these things this is not for you to worry about (laughs) oh my god I love that I can't worry about it I can't hold this so I now that. I would like you to hold this. Oh, 
Or what did he do? I don't even know if he read it, but he 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 was a nice. He received it. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I think he was good. I mean, good. for me, it didn't really matter. It was just I needed to like yeah have some kind of ritual to unload. These Beautiful. Fear. That's how my brain works. Yeah, Dr. Crane was amazing, and my doula was amazing, and it was this baby vertex head down. Oh, he <laughs> also. Like he is now, that silly little thing. He would like, he'd be totally head down. I was like 36 weeks, 37 weeks. He totally head down. I'd be in the kitchen cooking. My kids would be running around circles. And all of a sudden it was like he was running around in circles. He'd go, and I would oh feel him flip head up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'd call Dr. Crane. I'm like, Dr. Crane, and he flipped. He's like, no, Rima. The last <laughs> time I saw him, he was so engaged. He is like, not he, but okay, come in. He's like, well, looks like he's head up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right? And so then he, he flipped head he up. He just kept flipping. He, and then he'd go, and I could feel it just because I had been pregnant three other times. So and you knew what it felt like. Both, I had both a breach pregnancy all the way through and had down baby so I knew exactly what it so I could tell when he was flipping and he'd flip up and then he'd flip down and then he'd flip up and he'd flip what down. a knucklehead <laughs> right I also had so much room in my uterus at that point he had a really roomy uterus like it had he had three brothers that come through he had a lot of room in there so I know but thank goodness once he did go down we kept him there and did you have to do any version or no i didn't have to do it thank goodness i do think i did webster technique but i think he had already flipped down head down and then i already had the the appointment so i was like oh i'm not gonna cancel so i think i don't even know if the webster technique was done or if something was done to keep them in place got it got it 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 worked you had a doula with this one i did i had a doula and she was also my prenatal yoga teacher Which is how I practice a lot of times too, which I love. I actually love having my clients as doula clients, my yoga clients as doula clients, because I know I see them every week. So you know them. I know their energy. Like we do energy work together. Like I know them so well. I love that. Right? I I want to do yoga with you. You have to come. (laughs) You know, you watch them do a keep up every week where they're throwing their arms up for three minutes and breathing through it. And you learn a lot about your client when, or you're practicing with your client Mm. every week doing these keep ups and teaching them how to breathe through these keep ups. Mm. So applicable to birth like yeah when you're in labor when I was in labor I almost wanted to throw my arms up and do a keep up to remind myself that I could do this yeah I could yeah. breathe through this oh I was 10 days late oh wow yeah so that took a lot of patience that was such a because all of my even my third had gone into labor I went into labor on his due date mm. so I'd never been late which you know they also say like oh if you're a multip you might be a little bit earlier. So I feel like anyone that has a second child, third child, they usually say, oh, you might be a little bit quicker. The baby yeah. might come sooner. And that's right. not always the case. Nope. Nope. So he just kind of waited. <laughs> and like, and it, like that's a, wow. I'm actually so grateful to have had that experience too because I know the mental exercise. that I mean, that is so... That is such a trying Oof. situation to be 10 days late. My parents were also visiting. And the plan was that they were going to help with my little, my younger kids. They were going to watch my younger kids while I, you know, was away having 
my fourth. And they had come like maybe a a few days or a week before my due date. So that put them at like way over what they they had expected. And every day, they're not like, my parents, my in-laws are hippies. My parents are not hippies. (laughs) My dad's a chemist. He's a scientist. My mom's a scientist. They're practical. They're immigrants. They are like practical. And they're like... Where's the baby? What, like, why are you just not having a C-section at this point? Like, what mm. is happening? Like, why? Just go. Just so I that's need a lot of pressure. Baby. They were kind of like, we, we have to leave. Oof. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. They have to leave. I so now you don't have childcare. Child yeah. What's going to happen? I'm like, no, you guys have to stay. It's going to be like, you know, um, I couldn't be induced either. That's the other. Well, I probably wouldn't. I don't know if I would have chosen, but I couldn't do caster. I couldn't be induced. At this point, I had, I had three C-sections, so I had to be careful. Mm. I couldn't be induced at all, which in the end I think was great. It really worked to my advantage. Finally, after day 10, post-due, my water broke, which is my pattern of labor, that my water breaks first. And I was like, yes, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. I even called my parents. They're like, okay, fine. We can stay until you get the day you get out. of Like they came to visit me in the hospital. And then they were like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where my kids were. I think at that point, oh, they must have stayed until like I got home. And then they were like, okay, see ya. So then water broke. It was just peaceful. I knew enough. I called my doula. She's like, just get some rest. It's like nine. It was nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. Got some rest, slept, woke up, made lunches for my kids. I love that too, because the provider you chose probably was in line with what your doula was saying. Like, there's no need to rush to the hospital as long as the fluid is clear or totally. a little pink is fine. Obviously, if it was green or brown, that would have been a different story. But totally. if everything looked healthy and normal, like, get some rest. Totally. Because your body probably just needs a few more hours for contractions <sighs> to start. That's what it needed. Got to have my morning, sent my kids to school, and then my doula came over, and then waves started. It was just, I remember she was like, I, I live by these stairs. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, Rima, you should go walk the stairs. And this is when my labor had like really kicked in. And was, I was like, oh, okay. She's like, do you want me to come with you? I was like, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> and I like turned the corner and I was like, yeah, that's, it's not happening. <laughs> that's insane. She's insane. She is insane. <laughs> I'm not doing this right now. I cannot even walk. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. it was beautiful. And then like by the afternoon, Dr. Crane wanted me to, me to come into his office to monitor baby. Like it wasn't even like, go to the house. so I went to the office. Everything was great. And then I went to that famous chicken noodle soup place in Beverly Hills. (laughs) (laughs) To see if that would help. I think I was trying to like really be progressed before I checked in. He was like, go straight to the hospital. But, you know, me being like now I was unruly. So I was a little unruly. I went home. (laughs) <laughs> and I tucked my kids in because I was like, oh, it's the last time I'm going to tuck them in before I have a baby. I always have that, like, which I lo- would like to mention and always mention, like, I always, like, have a grief period before I add a new baby, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this grief of this family that is now going to be totally different. Mm. So it's like the old family structure is dying and a new family structure will be reborn. But there is grief that comes with that. So yeah, tucking them in, like in labor at this point. And then 
And then, yep, went to, drove to the hospital and they were like, you're a what? (laughs) You're a vaginal birth (laughs) after three C's? Like, what? And I was like, Dr. Crane's client, they're like, oh, Dr. Crane, okay. (laughs) They're like, fine, they put up with it. you're just coming now? And your water broke, okay, fine. You're Dr. (laughs) Crane. And Dr. Crane's like, yeah, we're sneaking you in. We're just, just, we're surprising them. It's a surprise. (laughs) And so I checked in at midnight. My doula came and by 4 a.m. baby was born and it was beautiful. Vaginal? Vaginal. Oh my gosh. Gorgeous. The one thing that Dr. Crane wanted is he wanted me to have an epidural in, in case. In case. So I don't ha- so you don't have to have general. Right. You know, so it, you could just be wheeled in and you go yes. boom. So I had my epidural in. They gave me what they offered a walking epidural, which oh, was amazing that's at the great. time. So I was able to experience that, which just for me it was great because I had this previous experience of not dilating. So I feel like I was like, as soon as the epidural came in, I went from like three to like, like just Mm -hmm. totally fully dilated. Um, Wow. But I was still able to be on my ball. I still had movement. It was beautiful. Gosh, I wish all hospitals offered the walking epidural. Right. Yeah. It's such a fight these days for, or not even a fight. It's like, oh, we don't have that right now. It's like, why? Even Cedars doesn't have it anymore, I don't think. Or they they have very limited inventory, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And I I think it has to do with the pharmaceutical companies, but that's my own. Interesting. Or the training. I think it's specialized training. The anesthesiologist, not every anesthesiologist feels like. Yeah, because they don't earn as much money with a walking versus a spinal. Oh, no. Don't that. Yeah, think about it. It's way less invasive. It's way. Yeah. They'd much prefer to do... It's such a great... Because I could still feel everything going on in my body. I could still feel when I pushed. I still felt everything. I mean, but I do do think that the standard epidurals now are great because most people, at least in my experience, I don't know if you agree, but whatever cocktail they're using for the standard epidural, people can still feel some sensation now. When I first started, I don't know what they were using, but like if someone got an epidural, they wouldn't even be able to move their pinky toe you know for sure so i think it's changed a bit like people are able to feel more and be a little bit more connected to that area of their body which i think is very important when you're pushing a baby out yeah totally your fourth was born vaginally what what was his little personality coming out he was just chill it was so beautiful you know i just couldn't i was stunned did he even cry a little bit, but he was really mellow. He was more like my second. He was just mellow. Oh, don't you love that with births when the baby is like, doesn't even cry? Yeah. And it's like all their needs are being met. So they're perfectly content. And I know a lot of doctors and, and nurses get a little nervous when they don't cry. But not every baby being born comes out crying. Yeah. That's, that's not like the gold no. standard of, oh, your baby's healthy. Yeah, no, yeah, my second, like I, like I said, I was like, what's wrong? I like remember Googling it. I was like, is, is everything okay with yeah. my baby? And same with my fourth. He didn't nurse right away, which I was like, why is he not nursing? But he was just chill. He had had a trial. He just like- He was he tired. Was, he was so tired. I was tired. The sun was coming up over the mountains. I remember looking at my doula and my doula, and she's like, you did it. Like, you're a goddess. You did it. You did what so many people told you you couldn't do. 
Oh my god. Because gosh. my whole time I would tell people, oh, I'm having a vaginal birth after. Like I would get like, you're doing, why would you ever choose? Yeah. My friends who are OBs would say like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Do you know, like what in my last birth you want to hear what happened or like yeah like scare you and scare me make you feel like like, you're making a bad choice yeah i remember one doctor who was in prenatal yoga with us in front of my doula was like oh you're having a no that's impossible and i i was like (laughs) oh no it's possible and i'm gonna do it (laughs) like i just had to really work through all of that you know oh my goodness that is amazing all of your birth experiences right. sound amazing. I love them so much because the way that you tell it is not like black and white, good and bad. It's all fluid. There's so much gray. There's there's grieving and then there's triumph. There's both right. at the same time. And I, mean, I just think that... Isn't that life? That is life. That's life. We grieve and we are triumphant. Like I mean, it is life. I can reflect on some of the like hardest times in my life like I'll know like I was like going through it so much in this period and then I'll look back on photos and I'll be like oh and I had this preschool graduation and look how happy I was like it was so (laughs) joyous and so painful at the same time and to be able to hold those two and honor those two like yeah that's so much about birth and so much about life and I think that that's What's so interesting to witness with clients going through their birth experience, I think they're sometimes a little shocked, even if things go according to plan, there's light and dark. For sure. You know, it's not like anything is inherently bad. No. It's Or it's, people are, are, I don't think that people are inherently bad. Yeah, there are providers who just are not your provider. They're, they're not aligned. They're not with aligned. With what's going to make you feel safe. But they serve people. If it's a good match, it's a good match. Yeah. Right? What, would you, I'm sure you tell your clients too. Like when somebody calls me, I'm like, please interview so many doulas. Like, and if, if they're a yoga client of mine, I'm like, hey, no issues. If you pick a different doula and you want to come to me, uh, come to yoga with me, no, please. I like honor that. Like, I'm yeah. so happy you found a doula that you feel aligned with. Well, and we're all very different. We all, how we practice our experience our presence i mean it's unique as a fingerprint so for sure you know i'm definitely not for everyone and i'm very okay with that totally okay with that gosh talk about the spiritual practice of being a doula wow that is like there are so many lessons in being a doula like first of all even holding that much space for that long that takes like immaculate self-care in between births to hold a solid space for yeah. that long, which is what you, you've you signed on to do. And to yeah. do it with also having boundaries. Like you need boundaries as a doula. You need those boundaries. You need to state those boundaries when you first meet your client. And also to keep your opinions to yourself because there are oh, a lot yeah. of doulas out there that don't. And I think they shame clients for their choices. And, and to me, that's not a doula. No. You have another new baby, which is not a human baby. 
but it's an organization that you are a part of, that you have been raising and, and creating community. I'm wondering if you can share about this, oh, yeah. this space. It is so my baby. And I am so in another marriage with my two partners, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> yeah, a really beautiful, functional marriage, but a marriage nonetheless. <laughs> we found it I, uh, as part of the co-founding team of Sovereign LA. It's an art and wellness center and we focus on black and indigenous women and gender expansive humans we just offer a sliding scale all kinds of wellness programs art we feature artists we've had the most beautiful art shows our artists are often healers or have always been healers too and activists so the art is so powerful and potent we offer markets where we bring in uh, women who have like, the most beautiful work. Like I now like always gift from our markets because it's like the coolest, the most beautiful, loved work. And so, so they're like artisans. Artisans, like wow. amazing. Like oh, the energy during one of our markets is incredible. During our art shows is incredible. So yes, it's been really beautiful. And everything we try to offer, sliding scale. And do you teach there? Or I, you're just on the executive team? Or? Yeah, so I'm on the leadership team. Like initially we started um, teaching there because we didn't have funding to pay teachers, really. So we were like, okay, well... <laughs> We can do this. <laughs> yeah. So, but as we're receiving more funding, I'm stepping a little back. I mean, I still teach a lot from my home or from other places, but we'd really like to offer these spots to Black and Indigenous women who may not necessarily have the opportunity, right? A lot of new teachers. So we offer like a mentorship program, really beautiful. So I hold a new moon circle once a month, which is just like my my baby and my offering to sovereigns. So I love that. I know. And I love the new moon because it's the dark moon. And so yeah. much of my, so many of my lessons have, have happened in the shadow with this like energy so much of birth I think so much of my life right now is like happening in the soil in the roots right so that's what Love I that. consider new moon energy so my final question and this is kind of ending on a deep deep note something you alluded to earlier is that you were raised by immigrants mm -hmm. How was it when you became a mother and you started raising your sons and you reflect on how you were raised by immigrants? I'm wondering if you could speak to those experiences and how you, I don't know if there's a reconciliation or there's some sort of deep process, just what it was like for you as a child versus now raising your four sons and, totally. and what that experience is like. Totally. My experience being a woman of color and having been raised in a white suburb, having being married now to a white man, that has really inspired me to do this work that I do at Sovereign because I really understand intersectionality now, right? Mm. The fact that we all come from different places. There's so much unconscious bias. Like, thank goodness we, I live in a place with, uh, where overt racism, I don't see it all, you know. But there's so much unconscious. Like, the more I do this work, the more I realize, the more I sit in circles, the more I just sit and listen, right? That's my job. It's not so much like our work as a doula to like sit and listen to people's experience and recognize that everyone has all these completely different experiences. And we cannot assume that our life, 
the filter that we look through life is anybody else's. It isn't. It, it totally isn't. And, <laughs> and, and it's a huge and it's hugely different. So that's what this experience has taught me. And yeah, being a first generation, it was like a trip. I was actually reflecting on it this morning. Like it's a unique experience being first gen. You know, my parents, I've saw, especially as I get older in this parenting journey and become humbled over and over. I thought I had the recipe. Like I mm. breastfed for so long and I attachment parented and I didn't do jars of baby food and I made the food. And you know, they're like thought that there's a secret recipe for success, but really your child has their own unique soul. Their job is not to serve you, but to like serve their life's destiny, Just, you know? And so they're gonna do their own thing regardless. It's humbling as a parent. So I have a lot of respect for my parents at this point in my life. Like a lot, like I know what a hard experience for them to have gone yeah. to this new country. Um, wanting so much. For, like they, they gave us so much. They wanted opportunity. They, wanted, they saw this country and they were like, wow, there's so much opportunity. And I want my kids to have that. But at the same time, I want to protect them from all these things that are so scary to me. You know, right. they, my parents didn't, they were not let into like our whatever suburban white society, really. So they didn't really understand what happened at football games or what happened. At, you know, it was all very mm. scary to them. They wanted to protect it. So I know they did their best. Whew. Was there anything as a child that was a learned behavior that they taught you that wasn't necessarily what other kids knew or wasn't a, either a value or a mm. mannerism that you learned that you realized like, oh, yeah, you know, different. Well, I had to be very obedient. Like mm. I was, you know, a respect for elders. That was like <laughs> what was expected of me. I, I couldn't get away with it. Like, and I'm very different than my parents. Just like my soul is free and wild and messy and like wants to live light. I'm just like this wild soul. <laughs> and my parents are not like that. I'm sure they at many times in my life are like, wow. Like, <laughs> even though they demanded a lot of respect, I'm sure they had their times where they could have given me opinions and were able to like take a step back I wasn't able to have that much authenticity with them because it was more like I needed to be obedient respect say what you know like did was not given that much room for like who are you mm. but who am I was like bursting out well and that that's also like I don't know very American like individuality above all else whereas you go for to sure. other countries it's like you're not that important no you're a part of a community you're a part of a community and it actually works beautifully yeah. like that but it has to be some kind of balance right so, so I feel like I I raised my kids again my husband like came from hippies from the small town and like kind of gave me that freedom to be able to raise my kids but like what happened is like I was like I just want I don't even care I just want you to be truthful with me I'm like oh I could have done a little more with respect like <laughs> they're just like i'm like they don't even care they're just like i'm like whoa i'm your mom dude like so i think maybe i went too but i'm sure my parents are like look at my kids and they're like what they're wild like they're they're amazing kids Aww. but they're they're but you know i didn't i just wanted them to live and be them and i think that was a you know as a result of like my like feeling like oh I had to be such a good girl, but mm. I know it's like we all come from these amazing places. That's what's missing, I think, and what your podcast 
will help a lot with is like this lack of understanding that even though we live in the same place at the same time and we are living completely unique lives mm-hmm. and good thing because our soul doesn't our souls don't just want one like our my soul came in and needs these experiences yeah Rima thank you so much for being willing to share today I love you so oh, much I'm just I'm so grateful to know you thank you so much and I love you and I'm so grateful for you you're like my Aww. doula mama <laughs> you're my doula mama <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for doing this work too I'm excited to hear all of your podcasts oh well thank you thank you so much for listening If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share with friends and family and stay tuned for the next episode.